you're listening to episode four of the Divine Nobodies podcast with me, your host, Eric Ajna. In today's episode, we will take a more in-depth look at the heightened social and political climate around the tragic death of George Floyd and the uprising of protests happening all over the world. And in the midst of great change, our societies and collective tribes of our world are uniting to bring about a cosmic shift in the war on consciousness. We will discuss the social injustices permeating our planet and what we can do to influence and inspire global transformation in both the spiritual and physical realms so that we can reclaim our sovereignty and manifest a more loving and peaceful world. So grateful for you to join us. We are approaching an era of great change and now more than ever is the time for us to reclaim our light and step into our power. We are the light workers. Namaste. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to the Divine Nobody's podcast. I'm your host, Eric Ajna, and wanted to get right into it today. As many of you already know, there's a huge backlash and unsettling of our communities due to the recent occurrence of what happened in Minnesota with the death of George Floyd at the hands of local law enforcement agencies. It's been a really difficult time to kind of move through in a multitude of different ways. I had trouble sleeping last night and uh, I've just been filled with just overwhelming mixtures of feelings. Uh, Those including just feeling angry and uh, feeling sad and depressed. You know, um, it makes me really question the world that we're currently living in right now. And this isn't a new thing that has happened. You know, this injustice and this form of discrimination has been happening for a long time. And um, to move through these feelings and having them come up, it's always a bit tricky as to how to move through them because there's a part of you that feels like you need to do something. And there's a part of you that feels like you want to contribute to the whole and wanting to spread more of an awareness and peace so that we can uh, maintain a sense of equilibrium in our shared world. And uh, the only thing that I can really do right now and is, is move through these feelings and pay attention to what is that I need to pay attention to in my consciousness. Because if we're alive and we're humans, which all of us are, we've all experienced various levels of these type of injustices in our lives. It may not be something as severe as what happened to George, but the whole point is that violence exists in our world. and because we are working within the polarities of our world, we are at odds with people that have more power than we do. And that's sort of the game that's going on when it comes to us existing in the world with uh, the government and the laws that we have, is that we have all of these different um, systems and these systems tend to divide us. We have a left and a right, Republicans and Democrats. And depending on what it is that you believe, we are more or less uh, influenced into taking a side and the side's going to determine what side of the spectrum you are on when it comes to good and evil. And so I had watched this video uh, 
a couple days ago. And when I first saw it, I was very shocked, but I, I definitely wasn't surprised because there are videos like this that have been circulating over the internet for many, many years. There was actually an occurrence that kind of hit closer to home. There was a fellow by the name of Thomas Kelly that uh, was a transient sort of homeless fellow, which I believe was a veteran. And uh, he had been targeted by the police. This was a few years back. Um, and he was just on the street walking around. And there are videos of these police officers just, you know, beating this innocent man to death. And it seemed at the time that we were getting to a place where uh, the authorities and other people, especially with the help of media, were um, joining in trying to eradicate this type of thing in our shared world. That was until we found out that the police officers that were involved were not charged with um, the death. And this caused a huge uproar as well as rioting and protesting. And, you know, that went on for quite a bit of time. And when occurrences like this happen, there's this feeling of intensity and urgency and that everybody's moving to action in some way, especially with the help of the internet now. There's information that moves through in such a quick way. Uh, it makes it impossible for us not to see something like this and actually react. And the difference between that situation with Thomas Kelly and this situation with George Floyd is that this was a deliberate act that was recorded on camera where an innocent man that was actually not charged with committing a crime or was also not being violent that was deliberately killed on the streets uh, through the use of excessive, excessive force when it didn't need to happen. You know, this was a man that was hanging out front of a liquor store and the police were responding to a call uh, where an individual uh, nobody knew who it was that was trying to um, purchase things with counterfeit bills. And of course, the police did what police do, and they racially profile, at least some of them do, and they targeted him hanging out in front of the liquor store. And uh, without asking questions, uh, I saw some of the video. There's actually some new video that had been unearthed that was is still a bit unsettling. They decided to use excessive force against this fellow. And people were saying that he was resisting arrest, but I would resist arrest too, because he wasn't being charged with anything. You know, we as citizens, we have a right to be angry. We have a right to resist something that we consider unjust. And this was definitely unjust. There was no crime being committed. And you have this video of this officer with his knee on the neck of George for something close to about, let's just say 10 minutes eight to 10 minutes. And you had these crowds of people that were watching, unable to do anything because as civilians, we can't interfere with a work of police officers that hold deadly weapons. So we have these crowds of people screaming at these police officers to get off of this man. And, and rightfully so. He wasn't posing any type of threat to the society or the environment. And uh, as you watch through the video, at some point, I think what, what is the most compelling and the most disturbing is that once George Floyd finally lost consciousness, the police officer didn't move, didn't budge at all. He just kept his knee on the back of his neck and till he passed out, till the ambulance came and essentially killed this man. And this is causing a huge uproar in our communities right now and a lot of anger, 
a lot of anger. And, you know, we go through these situations time and time again, and it feels as though we're making some progress until something like this happens. And it makes you realize that discrimination is definitely still alive in our world. We just have different ways of pretending that it doesn't exist. I mean, I have African-American friends, and I hear stories of this type of thing all the time. I myself being a minority, I have experienced my share of this type of situation throughout my life. And I know what it's like. And, you know, all three of the officers were let go, which is a good thing. And uh, one of the officers will ultimately face charges of uh, uh, death for George Floyd. And this is one step closer to where we need to be, but it doesn't at all solve the problem. You know, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting feeling, feeling powerless uh, as civilians when we experience um, something like this. The difficulty that I'm running into right now is, you know, it's one thing to see something like this and make a call to action for our communities to stand up and protest and share your thoughts and your feelings with government authorities and also just amongst your peers. Um, but it is another thing to take to the streets and uh, result in any form of violence in order to try and get your point across. And this is the difficult thing because I understand both sides of the spectrum. One of those sides being that we've tried to peacefully protest in the past and it doesn't seem to work because from the government officials' perspective, they have the power and we don't. The only thing that we can do is voice an opinion. They're the ones that ultimately call the shots. And so when we stand with even hundreds of people quietly protesting something as unjust as this, from our experience in the past, it doesn't do very much. It will perhaps maybe score a court case or some side of maybe legislative action up above, but it takes such a long period of time for any of these you know, police officers to get prosecuted, and more often than not, they're just put on suspension. So what else do we do as a society in response to something like this? Well, there's a lot of anxiety going around in the world right now, not even just because of this situation, but because we just came out of a three, four-month stretch of being isolated within our homes due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And so there are a lot of people that are already kind of facing various levels of anxiety because of this. And for this to happen after that, it's just something that we can pile on top of the already sensitive situation because we're in this spectrum right now of feeling as though we're being controlled and that our rights are being taken away from us, from a government telling us that we shouldn't leave our homes, that governments that are shutting down small businesses. And that isn't to say that the shelter at home policy shouldn't have been Put into practice because there were obviously people that were dying and we didn't want to spread the disease. But the difficulty is that we're always at the mercy of a larger power to tell us what it is that we can do, regardless of whether or not somebody below them has better ideas. I feel that we could have navigated through the COVID-19 pandemic a little better. It's a difficult thing to quantify because we've never experienced anything like it before. But to just shut businesses down, telling people that they can't do, pretty much have their civil rights taken away from them, this is going to cause a backlash. This is going to cause something short of a revolution 
in the hearts and minds of people. So for this thing to happen on top of that, this situation to happen with George Floyd is just compiling the hurt. So people, I am not surprised, are upset about this. But the difficulty with this is, okay, we can't peacefully protest. Well, what's the alternative then? You know, we tried protesting peacefully, standing with large groups of people, tried making the calls to the right governors and the um, right supervisors of our state, and still nothing happens. There's no type of audit or um, system in place to help us filter through uh, the people that our police departments are hiring to protect its citizens. And it's the interesting thing about this is that these are police officers that are responsible for our lives. And it's a scary thing to think that I can walk outside being a minority and be involved in the wrong place at the right time and either be prosecuted or um, wrongfully identified as uh, you know, a criminal and potentially killed on the streets with other people watching and powerless. You know what I mean? It, it's a hard thing to think about us as a society being back in this place. So the difficult thing about it is what is the alternative? Well, that's violence. And that's what people are doing. They're resulting in violence. They may, they're, I've seen videos just circulating recently on Instagram that were really unsettling where you have other human beings that are a part of our communities that are raising their hands and hurting other people that aren't even directly involved with the George Floyd situation. And they're turning their backs against even just civilian people for the intensity that's happening on the streets. You're seeing people's businesses being torched and burned, people's cars, people's personal property. And this is all occurring because people are obviously angry. But when we result in violence of any kind, it isn't working to solve the issue. The only thing that's happening is you're compounding the situation, you're making it worse, and you are pretty much resulting in the same level of violence that these police officers are with regular human beings. And it's really sad to see because when I look at these videos now, I am not seeing so much of a minority against our law enforcement. I'm seeing a much bigger issue at hand here. It is definitely wrong what happened to George Floyd. Definitely wrong. And my heart goes out to the families and my heart goes out to all of the minority uh, cultures in our society that have gone through various levels of this throughout their entire lives. But when we result in violence in order to prove a point, definitely making it worse from the perspective of our governments because they see us as uncivilized and because they have the power, they have no problem with utilizing it through excessive force, which is why they have these police department being dispatched in army-like combative gear which is really interesting. It looks like a revolution happening on the streets, though you have human beings ultimately just going against other human beings. And it's only 
the positions that we take in our society as citizens that are separating us from another. It may seem like a person is going against law enforcement, but ultimately what's happening is that we have people against other people. And that's something that we need to remember. We need to remember that regardless of whether or not somebody wears a badge, regardless of whether or not somebody is just a homeowner or taxpayer, that these are all people and we're all designed the same way. And we all experience pain. We all experience suffering. And we've all experienced different injustices that occur to us in different ways. So it makes me think of this being a much deeper issue. My sort of metaphysical axiom when it comes to how I try and figure this situation out is it makes me think of this being a issue of how we over-identify with the ego that we have inside of each of us. That ego, which is largely consists of a conditioning that was brought on by the society in which we live, that has been programmed into our subconscious, and this is what we identify as being reality, our egos being the positions that we take in our society, the things that we believe, the, the things that make us happy, what we constitute as love, the laws that exist, the media outlets and the types of luxuries and different distractions that we have in our life, all of these things are what fabricate and create the ego that each one of us sort of abides by every single day. And if this ego goes unchecked, we find ourselves in wars and conflict against other people because at some point, the ego will have us believe that our beliefs are worth more than the lives of other human beings. And we will protect the ego at all costs because to protect the ego, at least to us when we're asleep, is to protect any type of threat to our personal and spiritual well-being. And all of us have this in common because all of us are a part of this society. The best way that we could resolve and reconcile this level of conflict is not to be violent. It isn't to riot. It isn't to hurt other people. The best change that you can implement in our society is by going within and really paying attention to the thoughts that you think and the things that you believe. Because the outward expression of our world is an example of what goes on collectively in our inward society. And because we are a part of a country that doesn't celebrate peace really at the primary level, where they may say that they condone peace, but the actions of our governments do not portray that. If we have to go and fight and kill other people for freedom, that ultimately is not freedom and that ultimately is not peace. Marilyn Williamson has this quote, and I don't know the exact quote because uh, I don't have it with me, but it's something to the effect of, it is clear in America that we want both. We want a nonviolent society, but neither do we want to commit to a nonviolent society. And we are quickly realizing that we can't have both. Any society that is not dedicated to peace will be at war. And it's the interesting thing about the world in which we live is that we have become comfortable with coexisting with various levels of violence. You can find it in our movies, our television shows, our television programming, and uh, even something as seemingly innocent as video games. We are, whether we know it or not, slowly in subtle ways being conditioned to accept and become desensitized 
to violence. And so much so that when we see it around us through videos, through movies, we don't do anything about it. We just sort of accept it as just a form of life. And I understand as human beings, we aren't perfect. But as long as we're paying attention to the issue and we're doing the work involved in sort of trying to mitigate further violence from occurring, we'll always set ourselves in the path to becoming better. But to become completely desensitized to violence is a problem. It is a huge problem because it resembles a lack of compassion for life. Anytime we believe that our freedom is worth more than another human being, we have to really check in with ourselves and really ask whether or not this is ultimate freedom. Because the America may be for various controlled levels of freedom because you have the ability to have a home, you have the ability to go and do things that make you happy, like go you know, to a party or hang out with friends. But this is a reality, but it isn't an ultimate reality. All of these things that I just mentioned are things that contribute to you being a consumer in our world. And that's essentially what the government is concerned with. They want you to be a contributing member to society. They want you to pay taxes. And as long as you're going out there doing the things that you love, you're contributing to those taxes being paid and revenue being made for this state. So you may call that freedom because that's just what you're used to. But in spirituality, the work If you get into a certain practice, whether it be Eastern spirituality, Western spirituality, it could be uh, Christianity, Catholicism, any type of spiritual lineage, it could be Buddhism, Hinduism, anything that teaches you how to be more mindful of other people and how to look within and really start paying attention to your own conduct of thought first, it will leave you more equipped to feeling various levels of freedom that you have never experienced before. And that's the interesting thing is a lot of us have never experienced what true radical freedom feels like. And in my experience, in my spiritual practice, when you sit with yourself for long periods of time in meditation, reading a book, or just something with the intention of getting to know yourself, it could be just sitting alone for five, 10 minutes at a time. You'll start to realize that freedom, true freedom doesn't come from the outside. It doesn't come from just your affiliation with other people. If you want true freedom, you have to find it within and realize that it is freedom isn't something that is awarded by our government. Once you start going within, you start really doing the work to inquire with yourself, you'll realize that freedom is a birthright. You are born free. The second you exit the womb and you enter into our world, you are fundamentally free. And the only thing that gives you the impression that you're not free is all of the conditions involved in living in our society and in our governments that give you the feeling of powerlessness and that you're not free and that you need to rely on an external force in order to be able to integrate with that. And that is the sort of trickery that we all sort of subscribe to. This is what we believe. We believe that true freedom is provided to us as a sort of luxury. You know, and this is unbelievable when we start to really, really look at life in this way because it isn't up to them. But what comes as a result of this type of thinking is that we get into the habit of looking outward for our inner salvation and our inner sovereignty. One thing that we need to realize is that we are enough. We were enough when we were born, and we're still enough now. 
And we have the ability to be loving, we have the ability to be peaceful, and we have the ability to make a huge difference in our world. But the only thing that we are uh, lacking right now is we don't realize that we have that power. So the best thing that you can do is look within and start really paying attention to the thoughts that you think and the things that you believe. And if you do this long enough, if you sit and you sift through all the shit, all the stuff that is hindering you from really seeing the truth and the divinity of your light, you'll start to unravel and uncover something really subtle and something beautiful. And it is absolutely something that nobody can take from you. And that is that your own inward salvation for simply just being alive and existing. This is something that no amount of government can take from you. But this is something that we need to be vigilant about when it comes to our search for truth. That involves taking some time out every single day to just sit with yourself and ask yourself questions. How are you doing? How is life? You know, what is in my unified field that is perhaps preventing me from uh, operating from love? And that isn't to say that you won't experience difficult moments or times that piss you the fuck off, but you'll be better equipped to um, handle these situations once you start really being honest with yourself about what you feel and spend some time on working to eradicate these thoughts and moving them out of your field. Once you start doing this, you'll start paying more attention to your affiliations with the outside world and the people that you spend your time with. Once you start loving yourself more, you'll start to realize all of the negative people in your life that are bringing you down, all of the negative people in your life that are telling you you can't do anything, all of that sort of divisive talk that keeps you from really accessing your true potential. And once you start loving yourself, slowly your, your life will start to move in the direction of creating inward and also as a result, outward peace. And we need to do this on a large scale. The one thing that I find really interesting about our world, and it's a largely innocent thing because we've been so conditioned to feel powerless, is that we have a difficult time with committing to change, especially when an injustice like this happens. We have a difficult time committing to change unless it happens on a global scale. We all want to join together. And this is partially due to the fact that we work better in tribes, but we want to create this unified front against this you know, this perpetrator and find justice. But what happens after a period of time, because this system is such a tireless process of getting anybody prosecuted, eventually we move away from that change and we just start paying attention to all the things in our life that we were used to paying attention to before. There are so many distractions in our world that'll keep us from making any type of effort and moving change and revolution in our society. But the one thing that I would like to express to all of you is that true change, if you want to make a difference to that entire world, all you have to do is work on your relationship with yourself. Because if you can sit with yourself and work on your relationship with your own thoughts and your own conduct of thought, that is just as powerful as impacting a group of 20,000 people 5 million people, 6 billion people, because the one thing about us that is special is that all of us are exactly the same. All of us experience love and all of us are human beings. And if we all go through something, each one of us is affected by that movement. So essentially, if you're changing yourself, you're changing the entire universe. And that's something that really needs to be taken into consideration because that shows 
that we have the ability to change on a collective level, even if it's just change that's occurring from within our own individual field. We have so many tools are, are available to us right now uh, with the advent of the internet and social media. We have all been doing such a fantastic job of uh, collaborating together and moving this information through the world as influencers, as uh, spiritual teachers and coaches. And the beautiful thing about where we're at in our society is because we're in the information age, we have the ability to find out, we have the ability to research, we have the ability to share the good news. And that good news is that we are in a spiritual awakening in the age of enlightenment and Aquarius. And it is in this time that all of us, all of the lightworkers of the world are joining together to give their special gifts and make an impact on our shared world by spreading love in the multitude of ways that we do. And that is by letting people know and helping people remember that ultimately love is in charge here. Ultimately, life is at the forefront of our movement, that radical change and spiritual evolution is going to move us from this 3D mentality into a five-dimensional world of light and of love. As long as we're banding together and as long as we're continuing to be this force in our planet, we'll eventually move into that way. But the one thing that I have to just make absolutely clear is that we cannot do it through violence. It just inspires more of the same type of thing. So one thing I can recommend is just develop a practice. You know, they say the first 15 minutes of your day, every single day when you wake up will determine how the rest of your day is going to be. So when you wake up, do something simple. Start with something practical. It could be an affirmation. It could be a prayer. It can be doing something nice for yourself, cooking yourself a nice meal. It could be turning to your lover, giving them a kiss, saying I love you, and spending more time with your loved ones. And if you do this long enough and you really commit to the work of just being a loving person, you'll start to see your collective world changing because you have full control over it. Marilyn Williamson has this quote where she says, our fear is not that we're inadequate. Our fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It isn't our darkness that most frightens us. It's our light. And this is such a powerful statement because what this is saying is that it takes radical accountability on our parts as human beings to move this light through our world. And it will be challenging and it will be a struggle sometimes. But as long as you keep your eye on the light and on all the beautiful things that are happening in our life, slowly you'll start to see God unravel and slowly fix and repair our planet and restore it back to emotional and spiritual equilibrium. So right now is not the time to play small because the very fact that you're alive at this time shows that you need to be here and you need to take part in this great awakening with us. So... Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. I was feeling super inspired today to just share a little bit of light with you, as well as some wisdom that has helped me in my life. And hopefully it can help you just the same. You can find us at www.divine-nobodies.com if you have questions about the podcast. And uh, stay safe out there. Just practice loving and beautiful behavior with everyone in your life. 
we'll get through this together. Namaste.